Hello and welcome to Reddit Readings in episode 79. In this episode we are covering the posts on r slash let's not meet. Let's jump right in to our first story posted by user Yosocrates. With the title, Why I No Longer Go Camping, and Why I Really Love My Dog. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Isn't the point of traveling to get away from it all? To feel the best you've ever felt? Then maybe you should check out Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. When your trip comes to an end, you won't need another vacation. Because you just had the vacation. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. To understand my story, you sort of have to know a tiny bit about trespassing laws in our country. In that we don't have any so long as you're respectful and non-destructive. You can walk over any hills you like and in my case, camp on any beach of your choosing so long as once you leave the area is how you found it. I used to love camping when I was little. Our family would go multiple times a year with a large group of my parents' friends and their kids. On average there were maybe 10 of us at a time, which was a bit of logistical challenge since we always headed out to this one really remote beach on the coast. Actually we weren't the only ones. There always yachts bobbing just off the shore with people in them and other campers lining up and down the beach. Most of them also had children or teenagers, so it wasn't a wild party scene. It was very much an informal family holiday spot. There was even a small building with toilets and showers installed nearby even though this was the middle of nowhere. I guess the local council must have figured it out and got sick of people peeing behind bushes. We took a trip up in spring 2011. I'm really bad with time but I know this because I got my dog in winter 2010. After picking her out that November from the shelter as a birthday gift from me to me, as I paid her adoption fee. Reddit. I know you love dogs and she will be very important to the story later on so let me tell you a little bit about Parmesan. Parmesan came to me as a six-month-old puppy who had been rescued from a dog-fighting situation. We're not entirely sure what breed she is exactly but my best guess is a lurcher, staffy mix. She is a wonderfully well-tempered dog with people and most dogs but you absolutely do not threaten her, she'll have you. So by the time of this camping trip I'd had Parmesan for a few months. She'd never come camping with us before but far as my family are concerned dogs go on camping trips, so when we all piled into the car she came too. Unusually though none of the family friends could make it, so it was only me, my sister, my dad and my mom. I didn't mind. I wasn't that attached to the other kids, I'd rather play with my dog and I'd still have my sister. The drive took the best part of six hours and because we'd left a bit later, although I don't remember why we'd left later than normal, we arrived at sunset. Not a good time to be building a tent but we'd expected to arrive to other campers already set up and the beach illuminated and campfires. The beach was empty. 
in spite of this my parents started taking stuff out and trying to build the tent. They asked us to fetch some of the lighter bags from the boot of the car while they sat pointing a flashlight at the sand to see properly. I rolled down the window of the car for Parmesan before getting out. It was pretty hot for that time of year and I wanted her to have air. Always gotta be looking out for my furry little homie. As we're fumbling about in the dark, on a beach, in the middle of nowhere it's pretty spooky. The one road that led to this beach was circular and had a bridge over the water. Meaning you could basically circle around the beach like a big zero shape if you felt like it. I wasn't really paying any attention to the road. I was complaining I was tired as kids are wont to do but my mum was. After maybe 15 minutes of my dad trying to nail the tent into the sand. My mum's asking him had he, seen that car drive round? It's been a few times. My dad kinda shrugged her off, he sort of liked that. I don't know if he said anything back to her but after a few more minutes a car pulled up next to ours on the road and someone got out. It was maybe 15 or 20 feet from the cars to where we were and the light was pretty low, except for the torches. We weren't expecting to see anyone else out here at this point and I think my mum said it must, be the security. I don't know why a random beach would have security. I think what she meant was the wildlife trust or something, as they do occasionally come down to do their nosy. The guy was walking pretty unevenly. He must have been drunk or high because he had that stagger to him, there was absolutely no way this guy was sober. Cool. A junkie. Not an unusual find but it's rare to see them in the wild. As he walked into flashlight range we realized he was carrying a large knife, maybe 15 inches? Although I was small at the time so maybe my sense of scale was off. I don't like my dad but credit to him once he saw this he got up immediately, holding onto the camping mallet and put us all behind him. The man began to shout wildly at us that we can't camp here and he was just, letting us know. My dad tried to in Italy be a bit low-key with the guy and told him that was fine, we'd leave but this didn't work. He kept coming closer to us, so my dad started shouting and the man kept shouting back. My sister and I were crying. I remember shaking, I was utterly terrified as I'm sure sure anyone would be in that situation. It really did seem like this guy and my dad were going to fight and I'm going to be honest, I didn't fancy my dad's chances. While it's grim to consider, I'm absolutely convinced he would have killed my dad and possibly us as well once he was done as I don't think my mother would have had the common sense to run with us. I love her but she's always put dad and her relationship with him above us. This isn't how it went down. A bolt from the black like a wolf descending on its prey took us all by surprise, most of all the man with the knife. In that moment, Parmesan was the apex predator large canines represent in nature. She got him good by the arm and clamped down hard, ripping his jacket and shredding the skin underneath. He dropped the knife as it had been in the arm she had got him by. He kicked her, he punched her and eventually got her off. He grabbed the knife from the sand and ran back to his car and drove off. Parmesan didn't follow him. She stayed with us, muzzle covered in blood. Quickly as we could we gathered our things and all got back in the car, all pretty shook up by the incident. I looked Parmi over, she was okay, but the car's window was much more open than I'd left it. We think what happened was when the shouting started she must have put her paws up on the gap I'd left for her. As it was an old car and had the rolly down windows and not an electric button, 
we think she must have been able to hit it with her paws to force it down enough to squeeze out. This is not the end of my story. We were all pretty scared and since we had the dog with us, we couldn't book into a hotel for the night. My parents decided just to drive home so we could all feel safe but first had to drive into the nearest town for petrol as they were kind of low. I spent the time trying to clean Parmesan up a little. I'd always loved dogs but what she'd just done for me blew my mind. As we drove into town we came across a petrol station but it looked closed. My dad drove up closer to get a better look and stuck his head out the window to get a better look at the sign. My mum asked him what on earth he was doing and he told her he was trying to see when it opens. Never. My heart fucking sank. Parked in the corner, behind a van so we hadn't seen him at first, was the man with the knife. He was sitting on the bond of his car, using some tissue paper to clean up his arm. It looked pretty bad. Without stopping to refuel or look anywhere else in town, my dad drove right out of there. He decided to go to the next town over but this was removed. The next town over was 60 miles away. He didn't have that much petrol, we realized, as we began driving. We were going to break down. That's fine, dad said, we had double A cover. They'd come tow us home or at least to somewhere acceptable for the night. Better than staying in the last town. After driving for maybe five minutes, lights flash us from behind. Another car. The same car the man had been driving. It was him, following us. He must have realized we were low on petrol. The next half hour was one of the worst half hours of my life. I had a complete and utter breakdown, as did everyone really. I could tell my parents were trying to keep it under wraps so it wouldn't upset us but we weren't really little kids. We were both double digits, we knew how dangerous this situation was. Dad turned off the radio to conserve petrol and the man followed us for 55 miles before he peeled away onto another road. Our fuel meter was on the big red E for empty for the last 10 miles, we were driving on fumes. I don't really believe in God but if he does exist that was definitely one of his miracles. Once we got there, we drove into a petrol station and refilled to a full tank before driving the rest of the way home. Sister and I slept in the car after that. I only woke up once we made it all the way home, just grateful nothing worse had happened than that. After getting some sleep, my mum phoned the non-emergency line for the police and reported what had happened. They never got back to her after that but apparently the woman she spoke to said they may wish to in the future, as he matched the description given of a suspect wanted in relation to a murder charge. No idea if he actually was that guy or just a random psycho, as I said, they never got back to her. So what's the takeaway then? Other than crazy man on the beach, let's not meet. Well, for me it's that I love Parmesan. She's still with us now old as the hills and twice as grizzled as one of my mum's friends likes to joke. I don't know why she did what she did that day, I couldn't tell you what her thought process was. What I do know is that this poor puppy was born into an environment where they abused and neglected her, only to be rescued and taken to a shelter where her mother and siblings all found homes before her. Despite how badly people had treated her, when I took her home she forgave but never forgot. I think the saying is I never trust a person who doesn't like a dog but I always trust a dog when they don't like a person. They have a very good understanding of human body language and I think she must have understood how much danger we were in. If you're able to, please adopt.
you might find yourself in a situation like mine one day. I promise you if you're willing to save a four-legged friend's life they will pay you back tenfold if they're able to, without a thought for their own safety. I paid £78 for Parmesan's adoption fee which is a lot when you're a kid but it chills me to my bones knowing if I hadn't been so instant on a dog I might be dead. Our next story was posted by user excuse you what, with the title. I'm confident I would have become a missing persons case. I apologize in advance since I'm not a good writer, but I'll do my best to share my experience. To better paint the picture, here is a description of myself at the time of this incident. Three years ago, 5 feet 5, 26-year-old woman, medium-length bleach blonde hair, curvy 175 pounds, wearing black high-waisted tights and a pink crop top. Three years ago I was walking home late at night from my friend's house. It was dark and at the time I lived in a rough part of a large city. I've had many sketchy situations that I have gotten myself out of, so I guess I felt sort of invincible like nothing truly scary could happen to me. When I walk alone I always stay very alert and aware of my surroundings for my own safety just in case. About halfway home and roughly 10 minutes to my apartment I noticed a van started tailing me. I was used to this since in my city it's very common for a young woman in a rough area to get propositioned for sex. It's embarrassing how desensitized to this I was. I did my usual and crossed the road so that I would be walking beside the traffic heading in the other direction. I wasn't scared, just annoyed. The van then turned down a side street then back onto the road I was on and pulled up to me. At this point I still wasn't scared. Again, this has happened so many times and it never mattered if I was wearing something that showed more skin, or if I was wearing a winter coat zipped from just below my chin all the way down to my ankles, that area is notorious for that type of activity. I decided to be firm and told the person sternly, I'm not interested. I noticed there were two men in the van. They looked almost identical and may have been twins or brothers. Both men had a very very dark complexion, dark eyes and short dark hair. The van didn't move. I was super annoyed and crossed the road again to get away. At this point I figured this would be enough for them to stop following me. They didn't. They kept circling back every time I crossed the road. I've never had to put that much effort into getting a horny pervert to leave me alone, so this is when I started feeling unsafe. They zipped by me at the speed the traffic was flowing in and I yelled for them to fuck off. I thought it finally worked. It had been three minutes and I hadn't seen the van so I thought I was in the clear. Just in case, I pulled my phone out and was getting ready to call my sister that I lived with. Just then, the van pulled up to me very quickly and before I could even blink one of the men jumped out of the van, opened the back door and approached me quickly in an aggressive manner as if he was about to scoop me up and throw me into the vehicle. The traffic in that area is very inconsistent. It was dead and I imagine that is what they were waiting for. Just as the man was about to place his hands on me, I tilted my phone and said, You are being filmed in my live video chat. I gave my friends your license plate number and the police have been notified. I was so scared but I didn't let that show. I stayed as calm as I could. The man paused like he was considering if I was bluffing or telling the truth so I tilted the phone more as if to give the fake audience a better look at him. He then jumped into the van and they sped off. 
I have never been the same since that night. I'm afraid of walking alone now even in the daytime. Stay safe out there two creeps in a van. Let's not ever meet. I hope karma finds you both soon. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. And our final story was posted by user Vinegarade, with the title, I accidentally discovered an online shrine. I recently received a friend request that reminded me of this story, so I'm going to share it here. This happened after I went to university, so I was 18. I made an effort to make friends after I moved onto campus, and ended up with a few groups to hang out with, including a new girlfriend, and plenty of people from my classes that I liked well enough. There was one class before lunch where it was traditional for people to go to the cafeteria afterwards to eat in pairs or threes. I wasn't very discerning about who I'd have lunch with, because I got on fine with most people from the class, and we were all trying to make an effort to be social. So when one girl, Lily, asked if I wanted to eat lunch together after that class, I didn't have any reason not to go. We talked about school and that kind of thing. Nothing noteworthy, but she did ask me to get lunch with her again the next week. It became a pattern, and there wasn't exactly a way to start saying, no, suddenly. It was fine, but it did mean I lost the chance to eat lunch with anyone else on those days. In hindsight, I suppose that was the point. One day in class, I asked someone if I could add them on social media. This happened in front of Lily. I saw her face jerk towards me from a couple of seats over. It was such a sharp reaction that it was hard to ignore, and I still remember it. By the time I got home later that day, Lily had sent me a friend request. No friends in common. Don't know how she knew my last name. I was a bit surprised, but I guess she just dug through the university's social media pages and found me through there. It gave me a bad feeling, but surely it was fine? She ended up messaging me a lot, and commenting on anything I posted. I told myself that she was just awkward, and we became friends, if not close. I'd known worse people. She still always got me to go eat lunch with her after our one shared class. Other than that, we rarely spent time together in person. I saw her around sometimes, but I never went out of my way to hang out with her. So, it was mostly online messaging and seeing each other in group settings. Coincidentally, my girlfriend was also called Lily. This was something that clearly bothered Lily, not my girlfriend, who couldn't have found it less interesting. It's a common name. She occasionally hinted that she wanted my girlfriend to pick a different name, or joked about her not suiting it. She clearly didn't like my girlfriend at all, and I had an idea of why. It was hard to ignore by this point. Lily was starting to unsubtly hint that she had a crush on me. I tried not to address it, because what was I going to say? I've never known what to do when a friend makes a pass at me. I was also not interested in the least. Even ignoring the weird stuff she pulled, Lily was not my type at all. 
she tended to dress and act in a way somewhere between a 50s housewife and one of those adults who is still obsessed with Disney princesses. If you can picture that. Things took an uncomfortable turn on the day of our last shared class of the year. Instead of asking me to lunch like she usually did, Lily asked if I'd go for a walk with her. Again, I didn't exactly know how to refuse, so I said all right. Our campus was bordered by a large patch of woodland. Lily led me into the woods and the sounds of our fellow students slowly faded away. She sat down on a log and I joined her. She started talking about how she was going to miss me over the summer. I tried placating her, but I didn't want to be there. Especially because she seemed almost on the verge of tears. I think I tried to make an excuse about having plans with my girlfriend, but before I could leave, Lily chose to kiss me without warning. It was uncomfortable to say the least. I got out of there and was happy to think I wouldn't see her for a while. I came back to university after the summer, moving into a house with my friends. Without going off topic, there were some serious issues in my friend group. A lot of petty arguing, and worse. I broke up with my girlfriend around the start of that school year as well, and basically the whole mess made me recontextualize things with Lily because it suddenly didn't seem as bad. That said, I didn't want to be alone with her. We mostly talked online. She was still constantly messaging me, after all. One upside of everything was that I started dating a boy. Lily was not pleased to hear that news. I think she hoped to sneak in after I broke up with my girlfriend, but as I said before, that was never going to happen. There wasn't a big gap between my breakup and this new relationship, so she must have thought she missed her chance to be with me. This is where the story gets bad. At this time, I was fairly active on Tumblr. I occasionally talked about my life, and mostly reblogged photos and stuff. I was on there one day when something odd happened. One of the blogs I followed had received an ask with some phrases I recognized. It took a second to register that it was taken from my about page. That made me freeze. I read the message properly. Someone was asking this completely random person to analyze a section of text from my page. Asking for their opinion on the type of person who would write it. I cannot stress how messed up it was to see people talking about me like I was a character in a book they were trying to study. The reply was basically, I don't know, sorry, but the important thing was that the question hadn't been anonymous. It linked to someone's blog. Obviously, I wanted to know who had taken such a bizarre interest in me. As far as I knew, no one in real life, other than my boyfriend, knew about my page. Well, no prizes for guessing who was behind it. What I found was like a shrine. She was using a fake name, but I recognized Lily all over that thing. It was this cutesy, pink and red page. There were a few posts about her interests, but most of the content was focused on her primary interest. Me. Most of the posts were about me. There were accounts of things I'd done recently, he told me about such and such, he went to a nightclub recently, etc. As well as references to things from as far back as I'd known her. It was clear she'd been keeping tabs on me, both online and offline. Gathering up every scrap of information she could about my life and hoarding it here in her collection. She talked about us eating lunch together and how special our dates had been to her, as if it was anything more than acquaintances getting food after class. She talked about the time she had forcibly kissed me in the woods, but she wrote it as if it had been mutual.
she quoted lyrics from my favorite song and talked about how she'd always be there for me, no matter who else came into my life. Lots of references to loving me, just the way he is. Which answered another mystery about an anonymous love letter I'd received earlier that year with the same wording. It got worse. There were a lot of posts about my boyfriend, as well. These weren't so nice. They got vicious, talking about how he didn't deserve me. He didn't know what he had. If she was with me, she'd be jealous of anyone else who came near me. So my boyfriend not being a jealous person meant he didn't love me. It was angry and hateful. I didn't like to think about the sort of person who could write so obsessively being fixated on me. One thing that didn't make sense at first was that the blog also made plenty of references to Lily's best friend, Stephen. She had never mentioned this person to me. Her posts talked a lot about Stephen and how great a friend he was, and how much fun they had together, how he looked out for her, etc. I was trying to work out whether this was an online friend, when one specific post made it all click. She had posted a photo and captioned it with, Stephen sent this to me. He knew I would like it and I love it, or something like that. The problem was, the photo was taken from my own page. I hadn't sent it to her. She took it from my page and then claimed this fictional best friend of hers shared it with her, because in her head, she'd split me into two people. In her messed up fantasy life, I was both the perfect best friend who was always looking out for her, and her soulmate who was bound to end up with her when I finally got over my, sweet, kind, boyfriend and all the other, easy, girls I hung out with that she made dozens of posts complaining about. Who was she complaining to? Oh, Lily had an audience. She asked open questions about me and her relationship with me and got messages back from her followers. People who took what she said at face value. I saw a bunch of random people agreeing with this stalker that my boyfriend didn't deserve me, and we were bound to break up soon so I could be with Lily. The person I was clearly supposed to be with. She had this fake, fanfiction version of my life up for anyone to share their opinion on, and she'd made herself out to be the hero of it all. I went maybe a month back into this page's history. I did not look at everything that was there. It was too much. So, I'm not sure how long this had been going on. I sent Lily a message confronting her about the blog. She said nothing, and I cannot stress how weird it was to have found pages and pages dedicated to me with her talking about how she was in love with me and would make sure we ended up together, slamming my boyfriend, and building a fantasy life with two different versions of me in it that she clearly believed to be real, then acting like it hadn't happened. She said nothing. She didn't address it, she just changed the subject, even after I pushed, and it was like she hadn't even registered what I said. I've never seen anything else like it. She deleted the page, of course, or at least changed the name and hid it so I never found it again. It wasn't the end, though. I wasn't going to hang out with her anymore, but we were still shoved together in classes and she had started to actually scare me with what she might do next. I'm kind of a paranoid person. Knowing someone was obsessively keeping track of me for who knows how long freaked me out. The next thing she pulled was trying to seduce my boyfriend. It was an absolutely useless attempt that only made him uncomfortable. He told me about it right away. What was her plan there? Did she hope to tell me he cheated and wait for me to break up with him? Why would I want her after that? When that didn't work out for her, she tried hitting on three of my other friends. 
none of them took the bait. She ended up dating one of my former housemates for a while, but made sure to send me messages while they were together letting me know she'd rather be with me. No thanks. Lily made sure to stay in my life the whole time I was at university. There was a time when I tried to pull away from her, and she ended up starting rumors about me and damaging a career opportunity I'd put a lot of work into. I don't know what else she did behind my back, but it made me realize it was safer to let her think she was part of my life while ignoring her, rather than doing something that would cause her to get angry. After I graduated, Lily still wanted to spend time together, but I knew I didn't have to now. I made excuses about work and barely talked to her after that point. I almost entirely stopped posting on social media that I knew she knew about. Of course, she didn't give up that easily. She tried to start conversations. Asked me to meet up with her. Attempts I usually ignored. I didn't like to think she was still tracking me online, but she probably was. I don't know how, but she'd occasionally reference things I mentioned online somewhere somewhere she shouldn't have known about. The last time we had a real conversation, she sent me a message out of nowhere. We hadn't spoken at all in months, and we hadn't talked about anything serious in much longer than that. Thinking about that conversation still makes my skin crawl, but I'll summarize what happened. At first she asked me some questions about how long had I known I was queer. I told her some basic stuff, the kind of thing I'd tell anyone who asked. Then, she changed the subject. She started talking about how would I feel about her if she was a boy. About wanting to be a boy for me. The messages quickly became fetishistic. She went into plenty of detail about fantasies she had of the two of us. Again, we were not friends at this point. We'd never been especially close, at least not from my perspective, and we had barely spoken for years. I can't imagine sending messages like that to even a close friend let alone someone who barely knows you. I tried telling her not to pull this crap with me, but she decided to change tactics. She sent photos of herself, followed by a bunch of messages, maybe four or five a minute, way too fast for me to reply before the next one arrived, basically quoting back what I'd told her about myself and my past earlier. She was telling me these things as if they had happened to her. She was role-playing as me. The worst part was that she seemed to believe it was real, that those things actually had happened to her, even when she was quoting me word for word. Things I'd told her only hours before were now her life. It was like she was trying to absorb my history, to take it over. To make my life part of her. Yeah, I didn't talk to her again after that. I ignored future attempts she made to talk to me and I eventually silently deleted her from the inactive social media which was her only real way of contacting me. I really thought she might finally move on. A few days ago, she sent me a friend request. It's sitting there unanswered, because I know if I delete it, she'll only send another one. Lily and I met nearly 12 years ago. This story is just the highlights, and even then, it's only the stuff I know about for sure. A lot happened behind my back. I know it did. So, girl who spent 12 years obsessing over me, fetishizing me, stalking me, and harassing me, let's not meet again. The fantasy life you built for the two of us in your head is the only place you'll be seeing me anytime soon. That's it for today's episode of Reddit Readings, hope you enjoyed. Bye.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Do you enjoy science, spooky stories, and all things paranormal? We do too. While we would love for most paranormal stories to be true, we are here to tell you that they probably aren't. But that doesn't make them any less fun to speculate about. We are the Spooky Science Sisters podcast. In this podcast, we bring you bi-weekly discussions on possible scientific explanations behind the supernatural. Backed up by research articles and other credible sources, we do deep dives into things like archaeology and physics and share in-depth discussions with topic experts. Visit us at SpookySciencesisters.com to listen to a couple of skeptics debunk some of your favorite alien encounters, cryptid sightings, and ghost stories with science, sass, and a significant amount of laughter. Thank you and stay spooky.